0: Coming up on episode 55 of the talk show, I hit some hot topic topics in the NFL, including Bills, Pats, Ravens, Steelers, and a whole bunch of other stuff. I talked about my Jets and the progression we've seen from that franchise or lack thereof over the course of this season. Now, I have a huge episode coming out over the weekend, an interview I did with Shlomo Leventer. So this episode is a little bit shorter, and you can listen to this pre-football. Obviously, listen to my top 10 football teams in the NFL right now and my picks for this week's games. And then you could go listen to Shlomo Levenger talk about magic and his meeting with Mike Trout. It's really cool. So all that coming up, a lot of stuff coming your way. But first, football talk on this episode and then episode 56. Look out for that one with Shlomo Levenger all coming up after this. Welcome back to the talk show episode 55. I think it's going to be a quicker episode today because I just did a whole long interview last night with a good friend of mine, Shlomo Levenger. He's a magician and we talked about some of the stuff he's done. He's a huge sports fan and he had a crazy story (laughs) recently that he told on the podcast about how he ended up spending an hour with the greatest baseball player in the world and a bunch of other guys uh, just doing private magic for them. So that's a really cool story. Uh, You're definitely not going to want to miss that. That's going to come out some point early next week. I hope so. Don't miss that. It's a great interview. Great time with a good friend. Um, and so I was going to throw all the football stuff on top of that, but I figured I'd keep them separate, keep his interview separate. And so today it's just going to be quick, hit a couple of football topics I want to talk about. You know, I like to talk about the topics before the week um, and another busy weekend for me this weekend. So it's Thursday. I'm going to try and get it out today and um, get all your picks in before the new week. As I said, 11 and four, three straight weeks picking against the spread. So I've been on a roll. So I want to keep that going. And It all starts tonight with Thursday Night Football. So the football topics I want to cover, I'll just, you know, hit them pretty quickly. And then uh, we'll get you out of here. And then you could go listen to the other podcast that should come out, like I said, either some point over the weekend or early next week. And it's a really good interview. So here we go. Um, The first thing I want to talk about is something interesting, because I don't usually talk about things like this when a story like this comes out and is a big media topic i usually don't talk about it but i kind of did want to talk about it. that's of course the comments made by the bills dbs after monday night football that was the biggest game and they were asked about um did they feel that they were embarrassed that the, the patriots were able to do whatever they wanted and run all over them um so here is their response 40 years the team has won a game running
1: that's I mean, what kind of? Boy, question what are we doing, that? bro? What kind of question is that? Question. <laughs> be criticizing you of into all right. Uh, I think we. I think we keep gave that. Up keep, all right. Seven points. Yeah. We, Fourteen. Uh, four, Fourteen to. Fourteen. Fourteen to ten. Is that the final score? We made stops when we had to. They had one big run. I mean, they got good backs. They. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, they kept coming back. to a couple of runs. I mean. I don't know how you want us to answer that question. That's funny. Well, I'll, we'll remember that. I'll remember that. Honestly, I appreciate you guys. Don't do that. Don't do that.
0: Goodbye, Dave. What bothers me about this is the whole, oh my God, we can't even respond to that. What is that? How could you, how dare you say that to us? This is about respect. That's being disrespectful. This is not the NBA. We don't do this in the NFL. We answer the questions. Um, this has nothing to do with respect. The The question was valid. Look, yes, you didn't give up 40 points. You didn't give up 500 yards, but you gave up 200 yards on the ground to a team that ran the ball every single play. They were never going to throw the ball. They wanted to run it every single time. Of course, three times Mac Jones did throw it. Two of them he completed, one of which uh, Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator for the Patriots, was really upset about. He didn't want him to throw at all. That was the game plan. The game plan was not to throw the ball. and. You knew what was coming and yes, you stopped it. You only gave up 14 points, but what are you doing? Are you blaming your offense for not scoring enough? Is that what you're saying? Um, when you're like, hey, we don't feel embarrassed. We only gave up 14 points. Yes, you gave up one huge play and then the other one was just another touchdown drive. But it, yeah, this this was on you. Your offense was sitting the entire game because your defense couldn't get off the field. So 200 plus yards when you knew they were handing it off every time is too much. And Yeah, maybe they didn't score a ton of points. Their offense stalled on a bunch of drives. But it wasn't like you were forcing three and outs every time. They were hitting you for six, seven, eight play drives on the ground and then getting off the field. So the Patriots completely controlled the tempo of the game. And they did that. And you knew what was coming every time. And you couldn't stop it. Um, You know, I I was sitting at home waiting for them to take the, the top off and just run a play action and have... Mac Jones throw a deep downfield and it never came. The play action never came. And I understand maybe you leave a safety or two back there, but they you should have put 10 guys in the box, which the Bills started doing and you should have stopped them. So to say, Oh my God, how could you embarrass us like this? Where's the, you know, just where's the accountability sit there and say, yeah, we lost. We should have won. We should have been better. We should have stopped them more. Don't talk about the offense. The question wasn't about the offense. Should the offense have scored more? Maybe, but that's not for you to say. You're a defensive player. We're asking the defensive backs two questions. So that was the first topic I wanted to get out of the way uh, because I don't like to talk about topics like that, but that answer really bothered me, and obviously that went viral. So um, the next thing I want to talk about was the Pats and Bills, the game itself, and this is where I think Bill Belichick is a genius because obviously we saw the – ran the ball every single time other than three times. One of them, I think, was Mac Jones called his own number, and they were not planning on throwing it there. So they threw the ball essentially two times. They called two run play, two two pass plays, and the rest of the time they ran the ball. What's incredible about Bill Belichick is I do think that this was him kind of showing, oh my God, I could beat a team anyway. It was about him. It was about the Patriot way. It was being on Monday Night Football, being in the spotlight. It's Hey, you know, he knows that everyone's talking about Brady Belichick and he wanted to prove that it's all Belichick. Also, I think, you know, we talk about how teams coddle their young quarterbacks. I think this almost goes too far where yeah, you didn't coddle the young quarterback, right? You're, if you're coddling the young quarterback, then you want to keep his confidence up also, right? So you don't want to put him in a bad position in a game like that where there's crazy wind. Um, he's going to make some bad throws and you don't want to get his confidence down. But at the same time, if you want to keep his confidence up, Then maybe you should show him on national TV that you trust him a little more. Belichick doesn't care about any of that. He cares about winning. And so, you know, Mac Jones seems like the type of guy who's not going to be phased. And if he has to come out and throw 35 times next week, he probably will and he'll be fine. Like, that's what's crazy about Bill Belichick and the players he gets. And Mac Jones is one of those guys. I don't think he was phased by not throwing. Yeah, he had that one pass play early. Maybe that was getting a little antsy. And then after that, they're like, hey, dude, you're just not throwing anymore. And he was totally fine with that. So I think that's really impressive on the Patriots part where. They're not coddling the young athlete to the point of, oh, we're trying to protect you because if they're trying to protect him, they would have allowed him to throw it a little more time to, you know, not hurt his ego or whatever. They didn't care about that. They're like, hey, look, this is the plan. We want to win this game. And this, I think, is our best option to win the game. Nothing to do with you. We trust you. We like you. But I think the best option is for us to hand it off all but three times. Um, The other thing that I think played a role in this, and this is an interesting point that I think people don't think about is. Bill Belichick, not only did he control the tempo and the pace of the game by running the ball every time, I think he controlled the Bills playbook. He wanted the Bills to do the same thing. The Bills, when you play against Bill Belichick, you go, oh, wow, this guy's smart. This guy's really smart. We we try and beat him at our own game. We've seen this. This It's gone back forever. You're trying to outthink Bill Belichick. Look at the Seattle Seahawks on the one-yard line, not handing it off to Marshawn Lynch and throwing it there. They're just and they didn't even run play action like it made no sense that play call. You're just so concerned with how it was like, oh, my God, wait, he's doing this. We, we have to outsmart him. And I think you get caught up in that and you lose sight of your own game plan. I don't know if you guys saw some of the throws Josh Allen was able to make in that wind, but his arm is insane. Mac Jones doesn't have half the arm Josh Allen has, and he was able to zip those passes in there. Maybe if he tried to go throw a deep ball that was over the top, he wouldn't have been able to do it. But those passes that stay low to the ground and don't really get caught up in the in the wind, those quick, you know, out passes or any of those that Josh Allen's arm strength has the ability to make, he was incredible on those throws. And it felt like if they would have spread it out um, and have him made more of those throws and then run it from the shotgun and then have Josh Allen himself run the ball more because every time he ran the ball, and, and I'll give you the stats in a second, every time he ran the ball, they couldn't stop him. Here's what I'm talking about. Josh Allen ran the ball six times for 39 yards. That's six and a half yards per carry in that game. It felt like every time they would have spread the defense out and had to just run it straight up the middle, that is the toughest runner in those conditions. He's a big body. He runs hard. And maybe, you know, they didn't want to risk him getting hurt. But I really think it's Bill Belichick playing into their heads and being like, hey, this is how you have to win this game. And they really thought we have to match the Patriots and what they are doing. And listen, the Bills still had a chance. Dawson Knox dropped a pass in the end zone. There were a couple plays at the end that, Uh, Josh Allen, it seemed like made the plays and they just couldn't convert as an offense and as a a team. So I'm not too worried about the Bills, but I do think that when you're playing a coach like Bill Belichick, you really just have to focus on your game plan and trust what you're doing and not focus on what he's doing. And I think the Bills went away from that a little bit and that cost them the game. So really incredible job, as always, by Bill Belichick and the Pats Um, and maybe a learning experience and a learning point for uh, the Bills. Something that the media is talking about after this game, though, is a Bucks Pats Super Bowl. Obviously, I just mentioned the Patriots, the Bill Belichick versus Tom Brady legacy. And look, the Patriots have looked really good and now they're the number one seed in the AFC. I-, I can't take that away from them. But we're gonna have to hear about this for months now until you know either the Pats fall off or something happens. I don't think it's going to happen, but that would be the most media crazed Super Bowl ever. And I kind of hope Brady loses. I, I love Tom Brady, and I think he's incredible. But I think the what we're seeing from uh, Bill Belichick is really impressive. But again, I don't think the Super Bowl is going to happen. It, it's far out. I think the next big uh, Monday morning quarterback topic that everyone was talking about this week was obviously in the Ravens and Steelers game. Now, sometimes I hear these stories a little bit more, obviously, because I'm in the Baltimore market and because you know I hear the guys at my stage. I, I got to work on Monday morning, and our manager called us all in and he goes, Right decision, wrong decision about John Harbaugh deciding to go for two um, down one in that situation with uh, at the end of the game. Now I said wrong decision, and I'll explain it. Um, Greg Roman, whose play calling I've been complaining about all year, called his best call in my opinion of the season. That was his best play call of the season, in my opinion, because that worked perfectly. Yes, there was a free rusher at the quarterback, but if you you know Lamar puts a little touch on it or something is just a a few inches closer than they win that game. And we're talking about something completely different now. Now, at the time when they were going for two, I didn't agree with the decision because, and this is not me Monday morning quarterback. It didn't work. I think it did work in the end. Only Lamar didn't make the play. I, I think the problem here is Lamar, not John Harbaugh. Don't get me wrong. Like that was the right decision at the end of the day. I was wrong. But the reason at the moment, I thought it was the wrong decision was just put Ben Roethlisberger back on the field. You're so nervous to go to overtime. Look, you're guaranteed to get this extra point here. You have Justin Tucker. And then all you have to do, even if you lose the coin toss, is turn Ben Roethlisberger over once and then put your kicker in another position to hit even a 60 yarder that we know Tucker can hit. It doesn't make sense to me to not play, you know to your strength. And your strength really is that Ben Roethlisberger can't throw anymore. And if we do get the ball first, well, we just saw in that last drive that they absolutely couldn't stop Lamar Jackson on that last drive. Now, ultimately, Lamar misses the throw, and that's on Lamar. And that's the bigger concern here, um, which we also will get to in a second. But let's talk about uh, what John Harbaugh said and why he said he did go for it. End the game now. I thought he was thinking about this in a season. Sometimes you have to think about the game and the moment in a vacuum, and you have to think about it right now. And I think John Harbaugh was looking at the full season. He's looking, wow, I can't afford to get anyone else hurt in this game. We've already had so many injuries. And plus, we could end the Steelers season today. If we win this, we clinch the division, we end the Steelers season today. I really think he was thinking about that when he went in to make that decision. I don't think that's the right thing to do. Now, after the game, he said he just didn't have any corners anymore. He couldn't put his defense back out there. And that makes more sense. That, that, that does really... If you can't put anyone out there, you don't have enough corners to play. Um, I still think they could have stopped Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger is a shell of himself. But that makes sense. Look, at the end of the day, it was the right decision because it did work. And only Lamar didn't make the play. And that's the bigger problem here. Lamar Jackson has not been the caliber quarterback that we've been used to seeing the last few years over the last three games he's been horrendous. Now they won one of those two games against Cleveland because Baker Mayfield was worse. I was at that game. I talked about that game already. But when does this become a real concern for the Ravens? Look, I don't think Lamar Jackson was one of their top concerns. But after three weeks of this, is he? You can't have a quarterback who plays like this. Now, some of these throws are just so bad, and I'm not sure what happens. Now, the good thing about the Ravens and Lamar Jackson is that he'll have games where he's playing this poorly, where he's missing throws left and right. And then on a third and 14, he'll whip a run out or a deep pass out that you never saw coming and just make an incredible play because he's that talented. So you can never rule him out of a game. So if in a playoff game, he's playing really poorly, all he needs is a few of those crazy plays that he does have a few times a game. That's what was really astonishing to me when I saw him against the Browns. I was like, oh my God, this play- guy is playing horrendously. And then he'd pull out a crazy play, you know, extending the play in the pocket and then throwing it deep downfield or finding an open man or just scrambling around, and you're like, wow, this this is why this guy was an MVP once and why I was talking about him earlier in the year as an MVP candidate. But I still think that's a major concern. And maybe the injuries have just caught up with them. Like That's a real possibility for the Ravens. And look, if you look at the AFC now, this is all part of it. So the Patriots, do you really trust them? The Bills just lost to the Patriots. And the Ravens, I don't know how good they are, and this all leads me to my next point. It's the Chiefs again. The Chiefs are the best team in the AFC. Now, if Derrick Henry comes back, we'll see how Tennessee is with Derrick Henry back. And people are saying he could come back later this month in December. So maybe Tennessee's the best team. But let's leave Tennessee out of it for now. I really think the Chiefs are back. Now, what we've seen from them the last few games, the five-game winning streak they're on now, is their defense. And if you look at it, they beat the Giants 20-17. to Beat the Packers, obviously, with the backup quarterback, 13-7. to Then they blow out the Raiders, 41-14. They beat Dallas, 19-9. to And Denver, 22-9. to Now, other than Vegas and Dallas, who have really high-powered offenses, they didn't really play any high-powered offense, right? But the defense has stepped up. And so if you'll tell me, well, they barely put up any points. Look at the Vegas game. The Vegas game is the only game that they scored a lot of points. How could you say the Chiefs are back? Mahomes looks broken. Look, if Mahomes is their biggest problem right now, then the Chiefs are good. Like, Mahomes will figure it out. He has too much talent. He's too good. I don't buy that Mahomes is going to be this bad forever. We've seen too much from him. He's going to figure it out. I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire coming back, he's looked better since he came back from the injury. That could help Mahomes. And I think this is it. I think this team is going to be the team that comes at least is the dangerous team. Maybe they won't come out of the AFC, but going into the playoffs and looking at a playoff run, we're going to say, oh, wow, be aware. This team is really scary and really good. So it's the Chiefs again. Speaking of the playoffs, if you look at the teams in the hunt, um, so the the playoff picture is like this. In the AFC, it's obviously the Pats are number one, and then Tennessee, Baltimore, KC all lead the division. And then the wildcard spots are Buffalo, LA, the Chargers, and Cincinnati. If you look at the teams in the hunt, though, Denver, Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, Las Vegas, Cleveland, Miami, there's some really bad teams. Look, Cleveland, I think, is a really talented team, but Baker. Indianapolis has been inconsistent. Obviously, they've played a lot better of late, and I think they will find their way into the playoffs, maybe instead of the Chargers or Cincinnati, whichever one of those teams falls off. But Denver is bad. Pittsburgh is bad. Obviously, the Raiders are a mess. Miami's not that good, although they've been hot lately. And again, in the NFC, Arizona, Green Bay, those are the top two teams in the conference. Tampa and Dallas lead the division. And look at the teams in the playoffs. It's the Rams, Washington, and San Francisco both have playoff spots. And you're looking at the Saints, Atlanta, Carolina, Minnesota, and Philly, some really bad teams who have the wildcard spot. So, or I guess are in the hunt. I talked about this earlier in the year that once we get to the in the hunt pictures, there's going to be some really bad teams in there. And now we're seeing it. All right. I want to talk about my Jets for a minute. Zach Wilson made progress. We could talk about the defense all day. We could talk about the special teams, the kicker especially. But the first three drives of the game before the game got out of hand because of all those outside factors, Zach Wilson went down and scored every time. Now, the first drive was set up by a huge kick return by Braxton Berrios, and it was a quick drive. But here's where there's progress. Quick, short throws. Zach Wilson, we saw him once during the game get out of the pocket and extend the play and make a big play. Other than that, everything was coming from inside the pocket, making good, on-time, accurate throws in the short and medium game. That's what he has to do. That's not something that's hard to do. We know he's capable of it. And the other stuff that he can do, you can't teach. The next step for him is obviously to do this for 60 minutes. You can't just do it for the first three drives of the game. But Zach Wilson and the progress that he's made is really impressive. And if you look at this Jets team now, and I talked about this a little bit yesterday when I interviewed Shlomo Levenger, who's a big Jazz fan also, we talked about how you look at this year's draft class, the two Michael Carters, Elijah Moore, who's leading the league in touchdowns since week nine, leading the entire NFL. And you look at Elijah Vera Tucker, even if they don't hit on Zach Wilson, this is one of the best drafts they had because when was the last time they drafted a good quarterback anyway? So you might not as well not worry about that. But I think they did hit on Wilson, or at least the jury's still out on him. And if that's the case, that's a really, really good draft class. And you go back to last year and maybe not quite as good, although we'll see what happens when Becton comes back and some of those guys are playing decently. But this is a huge, huge draft class that the Jets and Joe Douglas were able to pull off this offseason. And that should be a real sign that you trust the right guys and the right people are in place running this organization. Now, the defense has some real problems. Um... I've tweeted this out so many times because it just feels like it. When you're watching the Jets defense and they're only rushing four and yet somebody is constantly wide open in the secondary, it looks like they're not getting any pressure and yet someone's wide open. It looks like they're playing with nine guys on the field. This is the guy who's supposed to be the defensive guru. That was his thing in Robert Sala. And I understand he's controlling the team as a whole from above. I don't think Sala's bad here. I, I don't think this is on Salah necessarily. But if you're such a defensive guy, you have to take control of this defense somehow. I know you don't have the pieces. Figure it out. I haven't seen a defense that looks worse in the NFL this year. I really haven't. It really looks like they're playing with two less players on the field than every other team. And Garnu Minshew was tearing them up. Now, since we talked about Zach Wilson, I do want to talk about Trevor Lawrence for a minute and the Jets and their, their progress and the direction of the franchise. Everyone talked last year that Trevor Lawrence, don't go to the Jets. He might stay in college if the Jets draft him, if the Jets get the first overall pick. How we look now? Has it, why is no one talking about Trevor Lawrence? Like, it's one thing. Everyone's talking about Zach Wilson because the injury, he's on, he's out. There's Mike White, all that stuff. No one's even talking about Trevor Lawrence. Not only has he been bad, but he's a non-factor. Isn't that worse? At least with the Jets, if he was this bad, everyone would be bashing him and talking about how bad he is. And does it make sense? This guy was a can't-miss guy in the in the draft. Yeah, we've seen you know big names come kind out of the draft be bust before, but I don't want to say he's a bust yet, but why is no one talking about the inability that we've seen from Trevor Lawrence so far? Maybe it's Urban Meyer. Maybe it's his fault. Maybe it's just the franchise, the organization. But I think he would have been better off as a Jet, honestly. At least they'd be talking about him even if it was negatively. And I don't think it would be that negative. The pieces that the Jets have been able to put around Zach Wilson on offense this year have been pretty impressive. The offensive line has looked good. Obviously, Elijah Moore has been incredible. Michael Carter, they've been a solid offensive team, I think, uh, despite the numbers. Since we're talking about the Jags um, and the Jets, Gardner Minshew is the one who beat the Jets this past week, and He looked incredible, but obviously that's against the Jets. Last year, he started nine games for the Jags, only won one of them. But it's kind of interesting because when you watch gardner Minshew play, you're like, hey, this guy's actually pretty good. Now, I know I just watched him against the Jets, but here are the numbers. In his career, he's a 64% completion percentage. He's thrown 39 touchdowns and only 11 picks in 25 games. You're telling me that's not an NFL-capable quarterback? Now, he started nine games for Jacksonville last year and only won one of them. But they were trying to lose last year. They didn't want to win those games. So it didn't matter how he played, or maybe they tried to limit him in the playbook. There are a few teams that I could think of. You go back to those teams in the hunt that aren't that good, that maybe have solid rosters and the missing piece is a quarterback. Why is Gardner Minshew not getting a job as a starter in this league? Think about Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. I think Cleveland would look better with Gardner Minshew. Think about Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. Now, they have their answer. Trey Lance is going to be the answer there, I think, for a long time. I think that's who they're going to bring in next year. Pittsburgh? <laughs> ben Roethlisberger is washed. And I heard Bill Simmons talk about how you know next year everyone's going to talk about Gardner Minshew to Pittsburgh, and it's going to be like, oh, this is a crazy story. Gardner Minshew to Pittsburgh. And he's been saying it for a year already. But they'd be better. Denver, the same thing. We know what Teddy Bridgewater is. We saw it again Sunday night. He's inconsistent. Sometimes he's good. Sometimes he's bad. He's mostly average. Washington, I'd like Tyler Heineke, but he's a good backup. Gardner Minshew, I think, is a legitimate starter in this league. Carolina, They're a mess. Sam Darnold, Cam Newton, mess. And New Orleans. (laughs) New Orleans, they obviously don't have the answer currently at quarterback. I would love to see Gardner Minshew in New Orleans. Although I did see a rumor that uh, Russell Wilson might go to New Orleans next year, which I've talked about the Russell Wilson uh, trade rumors in the past on this podcast. My question is, with all these teams constantly looking for quarterbacks, quarterback is the hardest position to find in this league, right? It's the position that everyone's trying to get one. You have one, and he's sitting there as a backup, and nobody wants him, and he's cheap. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, And I think Gardner-Venture should be a start in this league. Last point I wanted to make is I never liked the Niners. Now, I talked about this on the podcast on and off. But um, the Niners have lost now twice to Seattle. And Seattle, I think, is really bad. And now they just lost uh, Jamal Adams for the year. That, That trade, the Jets totally won that trade. And we'll see what happens in this year's draft. They might have two picks in the top five if Seattle continues to lose. And... I have six games that I circled that I went back and circled on the Niners schedule that show you exactly what I think about the Niners. Now, they were super overhyped coming into the year, and I was like, dude, they're not that good. But here's what I'm talking about. These six games I'm about to bring up, they went 3-3. Three and three. So don't say, oh, a win's a win or a loss is a loss. Week one, they beat the Lions 41-33, but they gave up 33 points to the Lions. There's a team that predicates themselves on defense. And then the next week, they went 17-11. They couldn't score on the Eagles. But... They only give up eleven points to the Eagles. Then week four of the season, the Seahawks and Niners play and they lose to the Seahawks the first time. They lose to the Colts 30 to 18. Now, since then the Colts have seemed like they're a real team, but at that point the Colts hadn't done anything yet until they beat the Niners. That's when people are like, hey, the Colts are pretty good. Maybe the Niners are just bad. Then they crushed the Rams thirty one to ten a few weeks ago, and then they lose to the Seahawks again this week thirty to twenty three. What the hell's going on with this team? And this is a case where I think you are what your record says you are. You're six and six. You're exactly 500. You're super inconsistent. You're going to have some really bad games and some really good games. And that just makes you a a very average, mediocre team. The fact that everyone's waiting for this team to explode and come out and be really good. They're not that. I don't think they're going to be that. All right. I'm going to give you my top 10 because I told you I'm going to update it every week. So here we go. Number 10, I still have the Titans. We didn't see them play this week, obviously, but we know what they're capable of. We know that with Derrick Henry, they're probably in the top 10. We don't know if Derrick Henry comes back this month. I have to keep them in there. Um, They could be really good. And their record's really good. So like I said, with the Niners, you are what your record is, I guess. Number nine is the Ravens. I've lowered them as much as I could. I still think they're a really good team. And if Lamar Jackson can figure it out, they could make actually a deep playoff run. But I don't know if Lamar Jackson can figure it out. And that remains to be seen. Number eight, I have the Bills. Like I said, with coaching staff, it's unclear if they can make the pieces work, then they will be a really good team because they have the talent for it. But they just got bullied by the Patriots. And I don't know if they can recover from that. I hope they can. And we'll see what they do in a couple of weeks when they play the Patriots again. Number seven is the Cowboys. I'm really not impressed by this team. Like, I thought they'd be better. I know Dak's coming off an injury. I get it. He's been inconsistent. I still think he should be the comeback player of the year. But with so many offensive weapons and the defense that they have forcing turnovers at the rate that they do, I really thought this team should be better, and they're not. So I'm kind of under-impressed with them, so I only have them at seven. Number six is the Rams. Yes, all it takes is one win, and we'll see what they do this week. But one win, you look really good in that win. Obviously, it's against Jacksonville, but I don't know. I still believe in the talent. I still trust uh, Matthew Stafford and that team. Number five, I have the Pats. Again, I do think this is one of the better teams in the AFC, but I still think they're only the fifth best in the National Football League. Number four is the Chiefs. I mentioned it before. I think the Chiefs are the team to beat in the AFC. That's why they are my top team in the AFC and my number four team in football. Number three are the Bucks. Do we need to say more? I talk about them every week. I said at the beginning of the year, there's nothing much to say about Brady anymore. Like He's that good. And when they get Antonio Brown back after that suspension and that whole story, they'll be even better. Number two is the Cardinals. I don't have the number one despite having the best record in football because they lost to the Packers who are number one. I've said this before. I'll say it again the number one team to me, the team that I think should win the Super Bowl. I think they have the third or fourth best odds now. So you could still get them at a pretty good price to win the Super Bowl. Put all your money on the Packers. It's happening. Picks. I do it every week. Um, I've again, 11 and four the last three weeks. So here we go. Let's do it again. Let's run it back. And the first game is Thursday Night Football. Minus seven, minus Minus three and a half are the Vikings against the Steelers. I know it's primetime Kirk Cousins, but I really don't trust the Steelers, and Ben Roethlisberger at this point. Maybe they get galvanized a little bit from that win. I'm going to take the Vikings on this one. Don't feel great about it. Cleveland Browns at home are minus two and a half against the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore should blow them out. Like I said, I don't think Cleveland's that good. And I think Baker Mayfield is holding them back. I'm going to take the Ravens and the points. Tennessee is minus nine and a half at home for Jacksonville. And I think Jacksonville is that bad. Like I said before, I don't know what's going on with Trevor Lawrence. I don't know what's going on with that team. Nine and a half is a huge number. I think Tennessee can still cover it even without Derek Henry. Another team that's favored by a huge number, nine and a half, is the Kansas City Chiefs against the Las Vegas Raiders. Maybe this is the week. They beat them 41 to 14 the last time the two teams played. I think this will be a similar result. A lot of people have money on the the Raiders. I'm going to take the Chiefs. The Jets and the Saints. I said I wasn't going to take the Jets. I've said this a thousand times. I'm not going to take the Jets, but plus five and a half. I really don't think the Saints can do anything offensively. We saw what they look like both with Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon. Not very good. And the Jets' offense kind of looked good last week. So, I don't know. I don't feel good about this. Again, I don't feel good about a lot of these picks, but we'll see what happens. I'm going to take the Jets and the points. I still think the Saints will win. Dallas is at Washington. Dallas is minus three and a half. Like I said, they should be better. They've kind of underwhelmed me. Washington's looked good the last few weeks, but I think Dallas will get a much needed win and win by more than four points. The Panthers are home for the Falcons. It's plus two and a half, meaning the Falcons are plus two and a half, minus two and a half for the Panthers, and the Panthers are really bad I don't know why that number is the number and I'm going to take the Falcons the Falcons have five wins which you're like what how do the Falcons have five wins they're not that good but yeah they have five wins um the Seahawks are home minus seven and a half and I talked about how bad the Seahawks have been and I want them to continue to get worse because of their draft position and the Jets holding their draft pick but the Texans are plus seven and a half against Seattle and I think Seattle will win that game minus seven and a half so I'm going to take the Seahawks and the number just because the Texans are that bad the Detroit Lions are at the Denver Broncos. Denver is minus eight and a half, and I'm going to take the number. I'm going to take the Lions. Hey, maybe the Lions can rattle off a couple of wins, and we got quite the show when the Lions did win last week, if you know what I'm talking about. So, um, yeah, I love, the, I love the Lions, and I'm going to take them with all those points. I don't think Denver's that good, and I don't think they score a ton, so minus eight and a half is too big a number for me. I'm going to take the points. The Chargers are home minus ten and a half against the Giants, and I'm going to take the Chargers. The Giants are probably going to be starting Mike Lennon, uh, he can't play quarterback in this league. So another team, go get Gardner Minshew. I don't know. Obviously, right now you can't trade, but you get what I'm saying. Cincinnati is minus one and a half against the San Francisco 49ers. And we're going to take to the Cincinnati Bengals. You all know how I feel about the Niners. I've been saying it all year. I said it earlier on this podcast, and the Bills are at the Buccaneers. Doesn't get any easier for the Bucks or for the Bills, I should say. But I do think the Bills will find a way to stay in this game keep it at least a three-point game. So plus three and a half for the Bills. I'll take the number and maybe it'll be a field goal game. Maybe they could even beat the Bucks. The Packers are home for the Bears. They're minus 12 and a half. And I think the best team in football will blow out the Chicago Bears and win by more than 12 and a half. And on Monday night football, the Cardinals are home for the Rams. So the Rams coming after a big win where they really needed a win. They get a huge blowout win. They're going to go right back, play Arizona, one of the best teams in the league. It's tough to bet divisional games, especially on Monday night football. So minus two and a half for the Cardinals. That number makes sense to me, but I'm going to take the Cardinals anyway. And I think they will win this game. And those are my picks for this week. That is the podcast. Like I said, a lot coming out. So a little bit of a shorter episode. We got Shlomo Levenger coming up on the next episode. It'll come out some point this week. Until then, see ya.